that's some good stuff. Love that. We need more good stuff. And that's why we're doing this Good Vibe series. We have talked about in this series how it is possible for us, even though we see the bad, that we can seize the good. And there is so much good for us to hold on to. We talked about in week two how to see the good in people. And there's so much more good in the lives of others than we often see. And last week, we talked about the good news of Jesus Christ and how it is so much good than we could imagine. And today, we are going to continue our Good Vibe series by talking about what it looks like to live the good life. Yeah, the good life. You know what I'm talking about, the good life. You're talking about something to give you good vibes. Everybody's got their own idea, though, of what the good life is and what it means and how they want to describe it. And you've thought about it. I know you've thought about it. You've thought about it. Maybe you've dreamed about it. Maybe you fantasize about it. You know, oh, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be incredible? And you've probably even talked about it. If I had a million dollars or if I had $10 million, well, you know what? If I won the lottery, not that you play the lottery, but if I won the lottery, if, if my neighbor won the lottery and gave me the money and I had $100 million, man, this is what I would do. This is what I would drive. This is where I would live. These are the kind of conversations you have. Right with your family on the way to the beach to spend yet another week with the same family at the same beach. Year after year after year after year after year. And you're thinking, well, this is nice. This is nice. But babe, if you could go anywhere, sweetie, hey kids, if you could go anywhere and do anything, where would you go? And you think about the exotic vacations you take or as you're sitting at K&W where you always go for dinner and you sit there and you're like, man, man, if I could just... Where would you go? If you could eat anywhere, if you could go anywhere for dinner, where would you go and what would you have? You know what I'm talking about, those kind of conversations. Living the good life. I wonder what kind of masks we would wear if we had millions of dollars. You ever thought about that? Probably not. But maybe a mask like this. Behold, the most expensive mask in the world. Yeah, a uh, U.S. businessman asked Israeli jeweler Isaac Levy, or Levy, I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation there, to design this for him. And um, it's inlaid with 18 karat gold, right? 3,600 diamonds in this thing. 3,600 diamonds. Some black, some white, mixture together, weighing in at $1.5 million dollars. You do not want to sneeze in this thing. It is not machine washable and is probably pretty heavy. You've seen people wear the masks that are too small for them and they're pulling their ears way forward like this right here, you know, having the dumbbell effect kind of thing. I'm sorry if, I'm sorry if that's you, but you're like, you probably washed and dried that, didn't you? <laughs> you, know, you can't wash and dry this sucker, and it's probably pretty heavy, you know. Wow, he just, like, I don't care. Well, here's the deal. All of us make assumptions about the good life. I make the same assumptions you make. We all make these kind of assumptions is that no matter how you want to describe the good life, you probably assume it's about me, it's about what I have, and it's about what happens to me. The good life's about me. It's about what I want, what I need, my dreams, my hopes, my plans. One day, way out there, I got a plan, and here's what I want to happen. It's about me, it's about me, it's about me, and what I have. 
my stuff, my possessions, what I own. And you probably look at what you have or what you drive or what you live in and, can, and look and say, one day I, I want to have this, I want to have that, because if I can have these things, man, that would be the good life. Or you look at your life and what has happened to you and you go, man, that, that, what needs to happen is for this to happen to me and that to happen to me, and then I will live the good life. Because what makes this challenging is this thing we do called comparison. We've talked about comparison before. It's when you look at yourself and you look at other people and say, well, if I was like them, I would be able to live the good life. Or you look at what you have versus what they have and say, oh, if I could drive what they drive, if I could live in the house that they live in, in the neighborhood that they live in, yeah, then, man, they're living the good life. But, you know, that's why we look at each other with that passive aggressive thing we say to each other, you know, through our teeth, through our smile, must be nice. You know, we say that, and that sounds nice, right? It sounds nice, but it's not. It's, you know, that's our way of just kind of, <clears throat> you know, must be nice. It's kind of sarcastic kind of thing, but it's, we're, we're comparing, right? What I have with what they have, and if I could have with what they have, then I would live the good life. And here's the thing. We compare what happens to us with what happens to them. And we think if what happened to them would happen to me. Why doesn't it, why does it happen to me? It always happens to them. Of course it's them. Everything else happens for them. Why not this too? But if I could just a little bit have a taste of what's going on in their life, in my life, then I would have the good life about me, about what I have and about what happens to me. Here's what you need to know though. Truthfully, the good life has absolutely nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with you or what has... By the way, I mean, if you were to live your life just about you, I mean, that's just a pretty small thing to live your life for. I mean, you're great and all, and I'm great and all, but I I hope that I would think my life would be bigger than, than me and your life would be bigger than you. But it has absolutely nothing to do with you, just you, or what you have, the stuff you have, your possessions, and nothing to do with what happens to you, really and truly. We'll talk about it. And here's the good news. Everybody can choose to live the good life. No matter who you are, no matter what you have or don't have, and no matter what has or has not happened to you, you can choose the good life. Sound crazy? Hang with me. Look at it. The good life is not about me. It's not about you. It's about the bigger picture. The bigger picture. What bigger picture? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. The bigger picture of more than just you and now and here and today. The bigger picture thinking of what is God's plan for my life? What is God's picture of my life? What is God's purpose and direction for my life? And when you and I can begin to clue into the fact that my life is not just about my plans and my hopes and my dreams and what I think and what I want, what does God want and what is his plans and his hopes and his dreams for my life and my family and my business and my, just you fill in the blank. You get a bigger picture and a bigger filter than just you. And when you begin to understand there is a bigger picture, then you have the opportunity to start living the good life because there is a big, I mean, huge kickback. When you begin to live for the bigger picture of God's plan and agenda and purpose for your life. 
Let me show you. The disciples, uh, Jesus' closest followers one day were having a conversation with Jesus and they begin to clue into the fact that if we actually start following Jesus the way he wants us to follow him, then we're not, we're not, may not have all that we need to have and we're not going to right, be at home. We're going to be traveling with Jesus and we're not going to be at home doing our businesses. And so a lot of them left their business. A lot of them left home. A lot of them left their families to follow Jesus. And so they're saying, Jesus, we've left all to follow you what's going to happen to us? I mean, all our friends are at home building a good life for themselves and, and we would like to live the good life too. So what's going to happen to us thinking about the essentials of life? Like what, how are we going to stay clothed and, and how are we going to make sure we have enough food to eat if we follow you, Jesus? And Jesus, if we follow you, what's about, you know, what about a roof over our heads? The essentials of life, who's going to take care of us? If we follow you and we're not looking out for ourselves. Look what Jesus said. It's a great question. What about me, Jesus? Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Huh. The kingdom of God, what's that? God's agenda, God's mission, God's purpose. Living for God's mission in your life. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. You don't have to be a pastor. doesn't matter who you are, what your day job or what your title is or isn't. Everyone can decide to live with God's purposes and agenda and mission in mind. And when you live for that bigger picture and you, you love like that, you serve like that, you give like that, you show kindness like that, you represent God to the best of your ability in every area of life. That's living with a bigger picture, knowing it's not just about me. What does God want? What, does, what is God planning let me check in with God on this because it's a filter that affects everything. When you begin to live like that, Jesus said there's a kickback. And what's the kickback? That God will give you everything you need. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Come again? God will give you everything you need. Now, now we could get into this conversation really deep. Let me just hit it real quick. There is a difference between what I need and what I want. And me and God often have conversations about what I want versus what I need. And I'm trying to get him to clue into the, you know, what I think. I'm sure you've had those same thoughts. You know, you've convinced yourself that what you want is what you need. It's a, it's a very human thing to do. But Jesus said, God will give you everything you need. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But imagine, imagine this. Imagine you begin to develop a bigger picture for your life. Imagine going through life knowing this, that the God of the universe is looking out for you and what you need. Let that sink in. From the time your feet hit the floor in the morning to the time your head hits the pillow at night and then while you sleep because God doesn't, the heavenly father of all is looking out for you, your needs, your issues, the challenges you face, your problems, your hopes, your dreams, all those things because you've, you've begun to think in a bigger picture, thinking about his agenda and purpose and mission for your life. And he said, he will give you everything you need. He's looking out for you. You know what you call that? Do you know what you call the life where you have a bigger picture than it's just you and it's not just me and here and now and about this. There's a bigger picture. Do you know what you call that when you begin to clue into the fact that the God of the universe is looking out for me specifically? Yeah, you call that the good life. 
no matter what happens, you would live with that mindset. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's a bigger picture. And then as a result, the God of the universe is looking out for me. See, see, that's the good life that any of us can experience. Let me take you a little bit further. The good life, it's not about what I have, but how I see what I have. It's not about what I have, but how I see what I have. What you have constantly changes. You do realize that, right? What you have now is getting old and rusty and dusty and musty and will eventually break or you will sell it or you will give it away or put it out at the, you know, at the trash pickup. It's imagining the stuff that you paid so much money for. Now you're putting it out on the side of the road on bulk trash pickup day and hoping they'll take this. Oh, they didn't take that. Now I got to get to haul that off, right? You think about the stuff we spent all this money for. So, so what you have is constantly changing. Um, eat, it will either leave you or you will leave it. And it's interesting, uh, and I've heard these analogies. Maybe you have too. Never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You ain't taking nothing with you kind of thing. And so you're going to leave all your stuff to somebody else. And so you're constantly, what you have is constantly changing. It's like a moving target. But what would it be like to not, to not be so concerned with what you have and be more focused with how you see what you have? And what you may discover is that if you choose that attitude and that perspective, imagine what it would be like that no matter what you have, you could choose to see what you have in such a way that you would look at your life and go, wait a second, I may not have everything I thought I would have. I may not have everything I thought I would want to have. And I may not have everything I think I need, but what I have, man, that's a good life. How do you do that? How do you see what you have in that way? Paul talks about it. He says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content. Content to see what you have as enough for now. Okay? Enough for now. It may not be enough for later today. It may not be enough for tomorrow. But it's enough for now. That's content. Just a layman's average simple term, content. Enough for now, I've learned because it don't come automatically, gang. Not for me, not for you, not for any of us. The human condition is that we are restless. And so I've learned to be content. Not that you're not supposed to have ambition. Ambition is great. Not, not so, not doesn't mean you don't have dreams and hopes and ambition. Yeah, 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 all that's good. But I've learned to look at what I have and be content with it. No matter what. And then he describes, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, wait a second, the secret, there's a secret. The secret of being content in any and every situation where whether well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or in want. Now I'm listening, okay? Because, because see, he says, I got this thing that, you know, I've learned to be content. And I'm like, oh, who wants to be content? That ain't sexy, that ain't fun. Who needs that? And then he says there's a secret to it. Okay, now I'm listening. You mean like a shortcut? Well, no, no, just there's a secret. If, if you get the secret to it, you understand how it works. He said, I've learned to be content and I've discovered the secret to making contentment possible. And then he drops it on us. Here's the secret. No matter what you have, 
I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him. Who's him? Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. Other translations, modern translations, have translated this passage, one of the most popular, most quoted, most bumper-stickered verses in all the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Beautiful, powerful. But it doesn't mean that's a blank check. It doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to as long as you tag Jesus' name on it, right? I can stand at the top of a building and sing, I believe I can fly, and jump off and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and fall like a rock and just dumb, 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 right? It doesn't mean I can do anything I want to do. It means I can do anything that God wants me to do. But specifically, this passage, most, oh, so taken out of context. This is about contentment. So catch this. What Paul is saying here, he said, I've had a lot and I've had a little. Things have gone well and things have gone south. Why is it that when things go south, it's always bad? I personally, as a Southern boy, I'm offended by that. Anyway, just random. You ever notice that? He said, I, I've, I've had a lot and I've had a little. I've, I've been well-fed and I've been hungry. He said, I've learned to be content. And the secret, the secret is that I can do contentment in any situation through the strength of Christ. So essentially, it's really not what I have that's the focus. It's how I see what I have. I can be content with what I have and I can do that because Jesus strengthens me to be content with what I have and in the situation I find myself. Imagine what that means. Do you know what you call that? Do you know what you call the kind of life where no matter what you have, even when what you need is not really what you have yet, that no matter what you need, God's going to provide it for you? Do you know what you call that? Call that the good life. Look, he, he finishes it up with this. And my God will meet all your needs. There's that word need again. And my God will meet all your needs. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I like that word riches. You know what that means? It means God is loaded. Unlimited resources. And he has your best interests at heart. And he knows your needs more than you know your needs. And that means even though you may not have what you need, God will make sure you have what you need when you need to have it. Just... Think that through. Even though right now, you may not have what you need. What this tells us is that we can be content with what we have, even though it's not what we need, because God will make sure we have what we need when we need to have it. Now, I know the when, the in-between, that limbo, can be really difficult, can't it? <laughs> but basically, he's saying, I'm content with what I have, and I trust God with what I need. I'm content with what I have, and I, learn, I have learned to be content with what I have, and I trust God with what I don't have. And that God will provide it when I need it. Yeah, what do you call that kind of life? I'll tell you what you call that life. You call that life the good life. Because it's not about what I have. It's about how I see what I have. You, you, you might be surprised that if you started seeing through the eyes of contentment what you have, you may just go home and realize, hey, I have enough. 
I have enough. And I trust God to provide what I need. Let me show you one more. Talking about the good life here. The good life is not about what happens to me, but how I respond to what happens to me. The good life is not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. Because here's the deal. You can't control what happens to you, can you? If you could control what happens to you, you would never let happen to you what has happened to you. You can't control what happened to you, but you can almost always control how you respond to what happens to you. And so let me show you. Let me show you what this looks like. And when Paul writes to first century Christians in Thessalonians, he puts it like this. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. This is the way that that God wants you, if you call yourself a Christian, me, if I call myself a Christian, anybody that follows Jesus calls themselves a Christian. This is the way God wants us to live. By the way, some English modern translations translate this part of the passage. This is the will of God concerning you. I love that. A lot of talk about the will of God. I want to know the will of God. I just want to know what God's will is for my life. Here's the deal. Wonder no more. I'm right here. I'm going to tell you what God's will is for your life. And not because I'm really smart, just because he tells us and I can read. And this is the will of God. No matter what your circumstances are, is that you're cheerful no matter what. Now see, being cheerful, when when it's easy to be cheerful, that's easy, right? It's the no matter what. (laughs) It's the no matter what that's challenging. And the word cheerful there does not mean be happy-go-lucky, put on a happy face and smile. No, it's, it's, not, it's not what he's talking about. The word is often translated rejoice. It's a decision. So no matter what happens to me, I'm making a decision to find the good, look on the positive side, and be filled with cheer and hope no matter what. That is God's will for your life, no matter what has happened to you. Is to not be, it's not like you're, you know, just clueless, You don't realize the heaviness of life. No, but no matter what, when you're in the no matter what times of life, and we all go there, we all get there, and we all know what that's like. When you're in the no matter what time, you choose to be filled with cheer, hope, good things, and then pray all the time. This is God's will, no matter what. See, this is about how you respond to what happens to you. So how am I going to respond to what happens to me? I'm going to be filled with cheer no matter what, and I'm going to pray all the time. This does not mean be in one unending time of prayer where you never, you know, like stop praying. It's not some kind of monastic thing, even though there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not realistic for most of us here. What this is saying is, is being in a constant mindset, an ongoing conversation with your heavenly father that really never ends. It's like living without an amen. You do realize the reason we say amen at the end of prayer? The only reason we say amen is to let everybody else that's listening know, okay, I'm done talking to God. I'm ready to talk to y'all now. That's the only reason we say amen. It's not like God needs it. Oh, she's done? Hmm, That was a lot. Oh, he's done, finally. You know, like, you pray for that? No, no, no. God doesn't need the amen. The amen is for me and you to kind of mark the end of that time. Now I'm ready to talk to someone else about something else. But praying all the time 
no matter what happens, is this ongoing conversation, ongoing conversation with no amen. There's no amen. You know why there's no amen? Because you're just constantly in conversation with your heavenly father. I mean, good morning, Lord. This is great. It's going to be a great day. And you're driving down the road. And this, God, you got to help me as I go into this meeting. It's going to be a tough meeting. And I meet with this client, help this, this deal to go well. And, and, and then you walk into the office and you see her coming down. And you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I do not want to put up with her today. And then you get this phone call. And, and, and then your, your husband or your wife or, or your child or whatever. And you're praying for patience. Lord, help me now. Lord, help me, you know, help me not to say. And then you drive you know, home and you see this sunset and you're like, oh, thank you, God, for that. Look, that is amazing. How beautiful. God, you are amazing. And then it's constant conversation of what you need, of thanksgiving, of good things, of dealing with bad things with no amen. And then thank God, no matter what happens. It's about how you respond. No matter what happens to you, you can choose to respond that doesn't mean you can always be thankful for the very thing that happens to you when it happens to you. Often that comes later, right? Now, maybe you're so spiritual that you can, you know, immediately do that. And good for you. I just need to come hang out with you some. But for me, when bad things happen, a lot of times I have to divert my attention to other things that I can be grateful for in the moment. I can be grateful for this. I can be grateful for them. I can be grateful for that. While I'm dealing with the no matter what over here, I can be thankful for this. Now, eventually, hopefully, I'll be able to honestly thank God for the no matter what too, That comes in time. But you can always choose to be thankful. Do you know what you call a life? Do you know what you call the life? That no matter what happens to you, you can respond with cheer, constant conversation with God that never really stops, and a heart of gratitude? Yeah, you call that the good life. And it's really easy when life is going well. And it's really hard when life gets tough. But through the strength of Christ, it's possible. It's doable. Just like in the story of David David and Katie Dyson. Check this out. I was working uh, as a landscape manager and working on the farm. And um, I would work outside all day, come home and be outside. (laughs) Well, we were always on the go. A lot of of weekends we weren't here. we like to travel and be outside and have a good time, and that's just who we were. Yeah. And I've, I'm very thankful for that time because those are some of our closest memories to life before the accident. We um, had gone down to his family's farm, which is about three hours from here, very rural. And that afternoon, we decided to um, take his brother's boat out on the river. So we pulled up to this um, little beach area that five generations of my family have been swimming in and we were swimming around for a few minutes and I ran across the sandbar probably about 50, 60 yards as fast as I could, knee deep, stick my hands out in front of me, dive, and that's when I hit something. And after maybe 10, 15 seconds, I don't know, it felt like an eternity, I started screaming, somebody get him, something's wrong. My younger brother, he found me in the murky water and uh, they helped get me on the sandbar. And that's when we realized that I had lost uh, movement in my uh, legs, arms, and fingers. People say life can change in an instant. I mean, it absolutely did for us. 
I, I, I got injured about four o'clock in the afternoon and at seven o'clock that evening, I was in surgery. Uh, and a couple hours later, I was out and placed in ICU. Spent nine hours on a ventilator after, after the surgery. I wasn't gonna do anything until they pulled that out. And when they took that off, then that's when they came in and they told me that I was a C5 incomplete quadriplegic. I was scared, I was worried. I spent lots of time crying and uh, laying in bed hours while other people were asleep and just, God, how, how can I, what, what, what are we gonna do? Uh, I enjoy being a provider. I enjoyed providing for my family. Um, I enjoyed working. Um, and all that was taken from me instantly. It was actually my dad's cousin worked in physical therapy with spinal cord injuries. And he helped guide us in the first few days and weeks of navigating what do we do? Because we had no idea. But he said, work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. We have done every therapy we can find and we'll continue to do so um, until I walk. God has provided in every way. He's provided me with the mental strength to get through it. Um, I am much stronger than I was when I got hurt. I'm now driving. He's given me more independence. By me doing my part, God is continuing to do His. Even though things can seem impossible at times. You know, there's, God's always finding a way to show us grace or mercy or hope or whatever that may be. The David walks is my motto, but we also live by Jeremiah 29, 11, which is just saying that uh, God, the Lord knows the plans that he has for us for good, not for evil for you to prosper, for you to have a future, for, for hope. So we just choose to keep going every day. Now, I don't know what you faced in your life. If you're like me, and probably most of us, none of us have faced anything personally quite like that at that level. Now, others of you very well may have. But it's not about comparing pain to pain, okay? It's not about who's gone through worse because all of us go through moments when all hell breaks loose in our life one way or another, just blindsided by pain and loss and challenges. However you experience that, but did you catch this? Did you, did you catch what David said? He said, God has provided in every way. I mean, he can't walk. He's lost the ability to walk, and he's saying God has provided in every way, and I'm doing my part, and God keeps doing his part. I'll do my part, God keeps doing his part. I'm like, what? And, and, and then Katie says, I, God keeps doing just another way, just another thing, showing us thing after thing, way after way, and how she describes how God keeps carrying them through 
Like, what is that about? And then they talk about hope. Because here's the deal. What they're experiencing is on nobody's list of what the good life is all about. Like, there may be things in your life right now that would never make the list of what the good life would all be about. But when you look at this, this is what you're hearing in their story. It's not about about me. It's about the bigger picture. Man, if they didn't have a bigger picture mindset, you just give up. You just give up. You see, I believe with all my heart that God can help David walk again. And we are believing that God will help him walk again, that God will heal his spine, and that through therapies and medicines and time, we believe David will walk again. I do believe it. But he can't walk yet. And so he has a bigger picture. It's so inspirational. He, you see in his story, it's not about what I have. He doesn't have a situation he wants. It's about how he sees it. And I'm sure he has his moments, and I'm sure they have days when they just want to dump on each other and dump on life and dump on God. I, I get it. I get it. Who wouldn't? But man, I'm sure I'm inspired and encouraged. That they know it's not about what happens to them. Who would sign up for this? Who would ask for this? It's about how, the, how you respond. And, and even though, again, they have their moments, their response sure is encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you. No matter what happens, no matter what you have or what you need or what you don't have, you can choose this. And you can live like this and you can love like this and you can serve like this and you can give like this and you can celebrate like this and you can face problems like this. Hey, you can pray like this, you can worship like this, and one day you can choose to die like this and look back and with 100% certainty say, that was the good life. It's a choice I can make. It's a choice you can make. Let's make it. And let's live the good life together, no matter what. Let me pray for you. Father, wow, we, we need this. I, I need this. Gut check. We all dream about what the good life would be, and we all deal with the reality of the way life is. Father, help us to choose the bigger picture, to live for your agenda in our lives and live through that filter, knowing that you, the God of heaven and earth, are looking out for us and our needs. Father, help us to not look at what we have and what we own as the definition of the good life, but help us to choose to see it through the eyes of contentment that what I have is enough for today and then trust you with what we need for tomorrow and beyond. Father, we are not in control of what happens to us, but we are in control of how we respond. So may we choose a response of trust and hope and perspective of what really matters most and who matters. I, I don't know what my friends here and joining us online are facing. I don't know what their no matter what situation is. But Father, we need your help. And you said these things are possible through your strength. And we can do contentment through your strength. 
and you will supply our needs according to your riches and your strength. And we can get through this and live the good life strengthened by you. There's so much good in our lives. Help us to see it, seize it, and choose it. In Jesus' name, amen.